And now, from the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. British Columbia, wherever you are, joining us on the radio across the province on our BC Food and Wine Radio Network and around the world on our podcast. On the show today, uh, we focus on the exciting topic of organic sustainability, very big story in the wine business, and it's a topic we uh, are speaking more and more about. You know, we do speak a lot about it, but it's one of the hottest topics in the wine business, and it's, uh, it's really something that BC is embracing Part of that is because our geography and our climate in B.C. really gives us a head start or a heads up, I would say, on other regions because it's a desert. It's dry. It's a continental climate. So, uh, you know, pristine and cool, clear skies and dry skies mean that we can uh, get away with uh, minimal amounts of inputs. There's no pressure from disease or pests in B.C., and that makes it much more easy to go organic or biodynamic, uh, whatever your choices are even sustainable. Now on the show today, uh, Ed Tonner, he's the senior viticulturist from Quailsgate. He walks us through the vineyard and talks about the level of commitment needed for true sustainability and how they're moving from the vineyard to the winery to the restaurant. Taylor Whelan talks about uh, working in the north. It's different, it's cooler, and slightly different in there uh, at Cedar Creek. They've got vineyards now up in Lake Country, so lots to discuss there. And, of course, uh, they're the Canadian Winery of the Year. Uh, well, what's what's so bad about that? That's a great topic to discuss. Uh, Kurt Simchik, he looks after Sebastian Farms, and uh, that's all of the icon wineries for Anthony Von Mandel, Mission Hill, uh, Martins Lane, Cedar Creek, uh, all the way down to uh, the South Okanagan. Uh, he's got a big, huge job. He came from New Zealand to take this job. He thought BC was the place he wanted to be. So we'll talk about that. And then finally, Ned Bell from the Naramata Bench. He's a partner, manager, and executive chef at the Naramata Inn, also practicing as much as they can, being local, being focused on being sustainable, and uh, you know, taking Naramata to another level, uh, both in the village and at the hotel. Okay, all that and more coming up next on the BC Food and Wine Radio. I'm Anthony Gizmondi, and it's All Systems Go. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gizmondi. Welcome to The Loops. When you love something, you want to do it again and again. Here in Kamloops, you can do laps on your mountain bike or play another round of golf. And when you're ready, welcoming eateries will gladly bring out budget-friendly second helpings or refills. Later on, you can raise the roof for a melodic encore before tucking into a comfy bed, then waking up to discover something new to do all over again. That's what we mean by Welcome to The Loops. Go to TourismCamloops.com to plan your next road trip to The Loops. Take your wine appreciation to the next level and become a rebel. Welcome to the Rebel Club at Liber Farm and Winery. As a Rebel member, you'll enjoy a regular shipment of exemplary Liber wines for your cellar, along with complimentary tastings and VIP treatment at the winery and more. And with the ease and convenience of online ordering, your wine will be shipped straight to your door. Discover more at LiberFarm.com. Simply great wines. Clos du Soleil makes wines that speak of the Similkameen soil where their grapes are grown and the souls of the people who call this valley their home. Winemaker Michael Clark and his team specialize in wines that blend Bordeaux grape varieties with their unique mountainous terroir. The result is wines that are elegant, ageable, and authentic. 
Clos du Soleil. Wild places, soulful wines. Available at clodusoleil.ca and fine restaurants and wine stores near you. Penticton, a perfect place for mountain adventures this winter. After a day in the snow, stop in for a visit to one of almost 100 area wineries, many that stay open year-round. Enjoy the quieter time of year with an intimate winter wine tasting and a chance to sample some incredible local ice wines. Dine in world-class locally sourced restaurants, too. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. Before you go, check out the website for information on wine tours and winery events. Go to visitpenticton.com. From the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia, and a special shout out to listeners in Revelstoke, Salmon Arm, and Invermere. You know, British Columbia wineries are, uh, have been taking really bold steps to reduce their carbon footprint and uh, to practice sustainability on multi-levels uh, across the province, uh, in the winery, in the vineyard, and even in the restaurants uh, where, that, uh, where they have them at the wineries. Uh, we talk a lot about sustainability on this show, but why should the consumer care? That's the question, and that's the answer we're going after today, to ask people what sustainability you know, means to you in the wine glass. Uh, it's impossible, though, to turn a blind eye to uh, uh, you know, the impacts of climate change. Uh, the evidence is everywhere, and the uh, BC wine industry, thankfully, has chosen to be proactive in reducing its impacts and uh, protecting its surroundings. So look for the sustainable uh, sticker on wineries, and look for wines that are organic or biodynamically grown if you want to get in on the cause and uh, help save the planet and actually uh, drink some pretty damn good wine. Now, we also know the importance of organics and maintaining a local footprint in B.C. restaurants. Uh, so today, one of B.C.'s big food stars joins us on the show, Ned Bell. He's a partner, manager, and executive chef at the Naramata Inn. Ned talks about the exciting transformation taking place in the town of Naramata. Here's the always affable Ned Bell on the opportunity at the Naramata Inn. We were very fortunate to... Um you know, acquire the Naramata Inn in 2020. My wife, Kate, and our partners, Paul Hollins and Maria Wisner. So the four of us uh, had been dreaming of this place for a number of years. And, uh, you know, we were finally able to pull it together. And, and since then have had, um, you know, quite the journey. Uh, maybe our timing wasn't ideal, but uh, there was lots of pros and cons uh, that we had to face over the last number of years yeah. just with COVID and all of that. So we sure. have uh, re-envisioned the Naramata Inn as a restaurant with rooms. It was, of course, known as the Naramata Heritage Inn and Spa for about 20 years. And we're, uh, you know, we're professional restaurateurs um, and in the marketing and brand building business. And so we really wanted to celebrate great food, great gastronomy, and of course, incredible cocktails and and really, um, you know, celebrate the unbelievable uh, BC wine world uh, and really yeah. bring the best of the Okanagan to the world. And so that's what we're doing through our French Naramation cuisine. So sort of <laughs> rooted in French food te- technically, but with Naramata flavors. Yeah. We we only use things from the region. So I like to say you can only have this dinner here. And uh, it's, you know, hyper local, yeah. hyper seasonal, which is pretty great. Right on. And, it, well, it's been such a great fall, too. I mean, uh, just the harvest alone, which looked in jeopardy, uh, you know, early on in September, 
the weather, the change in that weather has really helped everybody else. So I'm kind of interested now in uh, what have you got planned for the, the end of the, you know, the last part of the fall in the winter? Will you stay open? How will all that work at the end? Yeah, we have a really exciting program that we're launching for the first time in November. We're calling it Dine In. So you yeah. may you may remember Dine Out Vancouver. Um, yes. But we're, we're sort of building our own kind of November promotion. We'll do that in the late fall and in the early spring to really drive um, business and awareness and action to, uh, to Naramata. And hopefully, you know, it catches on with some of our peers in the region. Well, yeah. we'll give you an incredible value uh, from a menu point of view and an incredible value from a from an overnight stay point of view. Um, you know, rooms start at $99, a three-course wow. meal at 40, 49 bucks. So it's like heavily, um, heavily uh, built around the fact that we want, we want people to come and enjoy the Okanagan and Naramata um, yeah. at a time that isn't as popular or isn't yet as popular. So... You know, look at Dino yeah. Vancouver started, what, you know, 20 plus years ago and, sure. you know, used to be a couple of weeks and now it's like six weeks. So, you know, these uh, it hopefully brings no, some excitement I love it. to the region. Yeah, I love the concept. Dine in like I-N-N. So for the Naramati right. and dine in, that's very cool. A $49 three-course dinner and a 99 bucks a night. I mean, I can tell you that. I love traveling in wine country in the off-season because there's just so so less people around and you can really, you know, spend some time at the wineries and get some work done too. That's right. Well, as you would know, you know, September and October really is the best time to vis- visit the Okanagan and, of course, the early spring. And so for us as restaurateurs, we need people in the region to fill our restaurants. So, you know, yeah. hopefully this goes hand in hand and maybe it'll even keep some of the wineries open a little bit later because most of them close up pretty quickly. And some of the ones yeah. that don't have don't have food, of course, they close up even earlier. So, you know, we need to build the region and Naramata and the South Okanagan and the Okanagan into a year round place. And that's going to take us, you know, a decade plus. But we're getting there, you know, sure. internationally recognized gastronomy. Uh, obviously, we already have internationally recognized viticulture. And, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I'm actually speaking to you from, from San Francisco today and uh, heading up to Napa Valley uh, later on and, and uh, in my trip. And, you know, if you think about what Napa was 30 years ago, it isn't what it is now. And the Okanagan no, sort of on sure. a similar trajectory, you know. Totally. Hey, our guest is Ned Bell. He's a partner, manager, and executive chef at the Naramata Inn. And we're talking about uh, essentially the fall-winter season and what's happening at the inn. Uh, you, you're definitely going to have to check it out at $99 a night. That, that's just a complete steal. What, uh, how hard will it be to create local food during the winter? And uh, like I imagine that the wine will be a big part of it now with, with Emily and, and uh, the selection that you can get. But how will the wine and food work, do you think? Yeah, well, obviously, Emily Walker, our wine director, she's, you know, spectacular and has built our program since day one. Um, You know, our our food is hyper-local, hyper-seasonal, as I have said, and as you have alluded to, it is more difficult in the the wintertime. You know, it's also very difficult in the spring because, you know, sometimes we can have no local food coming out of the gardens even in late May because they just haven't. They just haven't grown yet, you know. So we do a lot of overwintered vegetables. We do a lot of braising and caramelization. We do a lot of, you know, squashes mm-hmm. and pumpkin and yep. celery root and, and rutabaga and parsnips. And, you know, our greens are braised as, instead of fresh. It, you know, it's just, honestly, it's, it, it allows guests to have a really unique experience kind of 
six times a year with the, the specific six seasons that sort of exist in the Okanagan, yeah. you know, summer really is only 12 weeks. And, yeah. you know, that's not a very long period of time when it comes to writing a menu of 52 weeks. So, no. you know, I mean, we're, seems- we're not open 52 weeks a year, but you, you get the point. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that there are more and more people on the bench. And, of course, even in the village of Naramata, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of restoration and work going on in the village, uh, you know, over at the wine vault and, and at the, at the uh, I won't call it a grocery store, but uh, the local sort of uh, the country uh, hangout. Yeah, the Naramata yeah, country store. Yeah. So there seems like a lot of people around. I, 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 I'm excited to see how the winter goes because, uh, frankly, we see a lot of great stuff in Tuscany now in these places, uh, you know, people overwintering. And, and uh, you know, why can't that happen here? I, I say let's go for it. Well, David and Cynthia and Mike and Carol at the Naramata store, they're certainly on, on our team when it comes to, you know, how do we build the village? And, of course, the village has, is full of all kinds of great business owners who have been – doing incredible mm-hmm. things for years. I mean, that's why we're here. We, we see potential yeah. based on the work that, you know, the, the, the foundation work that had already been laid. And so now it is about a collection of complementary businesses in the village that will see the village continue to grow and push out against those shoulders into, you know, more of a year round place. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I get it. It gets cold and dark, you know, that one way, one road in one road out, but that's kind of what makes it magical at the Naramata Inn. You know, we're, uh, I, we're the only village in the entire, you know, region of the Okanagan that doesn't have a highway running through it. Like that's, Yeah, the end of the road. I love things it. things that we love, you know? Yeah. Well, maybe we could haul that paddle wheeler off the beach uh, in Penticton and get her running again back and forth. Oh, my up goodness. To, uh, Can you imagine how great that would be? Oh, it would be fantastic. Listen, Ned, uh, I don't want to let you go. It's the fall. Uh, it's red wine season, and you're up there now. Do you, have you got a couple of red wines that you're really enjoying at the moment, or that you will you think you'll be drinking a fair bit over the uh, over the fall and winter months? Well, I mean, of course, you know, we we have uh, what almost fifty wineries in Naramata specifically. You know, a number of yeah. a number of dozen anyway, and you know, my, some of my favorites, of course. What Jay and Wendy are doing at Bella, of course, that's not red wine, but who doesn't mm-hmm. like bubbles always? Um, you know, what, sure. uh, what Ross is doing up at Nickel, um, you know, he's got some great red wines up there. Obviously, the Poplar yep. Grove team has some really great Syrahs and some really great red wines down at Poplar Grove, which, you know, is, mm-hmm. uh, is another wonderful winery here just on the edge of Naramata and Penticton. There's so much great yeah, I'm loving that. now. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to pick one. I had like this week. I had the the Cabernet Franc from Hillside. I was just blown away by the latest release of that wine. It's so it's it's so freaking elegant. It's unbelievable for a Cabernet Franc. Uh, and then you try the Mistral from Lake Breeze, that sort of rony wine, and uh, you get this texture and flavor. And I'm I'm just really excited about the growth in in the way that people think about wine now in BC, and and you know some of the work that they're doing with it. Well, we have to thank you, my friend, for highlighting our regions for so long. And, you know, you're such a champion for BC Wines. And big thank you to you for that and for continuing to give us uh, opportunities to celebrate our business. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network.
Discover the best wines for wintertime at Save On Foods. Cozy sweaters, movie marathons, hearty home-cooked meals. Find wines that pair perfectly with the season. At Save On Foods, there are more than 1,300 BC VQA wines all in one place. Plus, when you pick up any four bottles, get 10% off your purchase. There's something special about winter and wine. Get set for the season at Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. With 22 locations, find yours at saveonfoods.com. A ring-a-ding-ding. Time for happy hour at the Modest Butcher at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery. Featuring wine by the glass starting at just five bucks, along with the most fabulous gourmet bites the West Side has ever seen. Daily from 2 to 5 p.m. Plus, join us for Tommy and Tannen Tuesdays. Order a giant tomahawk ribeye and get your first bottle of Mount Boucherie Reserve Merlot for just five bucks. The Modest Butcher at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery. See you today. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature, a bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name. Three Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. Today's real estate landscape is fast-paced and complex. Now more than ever, whether you're a buyer or a seller, it's vital to work with a professional real estate company like Remax. Lean into their experience, local market knowledge, and connections. They are your market experts and are excited to help you make your dreams a reality. The right agents for today's market are at Remax, with offices in Summerland, Penticton, and Asuyus. Call or visit them at YourSouthOkanaganHome.com. The Inn at Therapy Vineyards invites you to get away for a luxurious retreat experience. Modern rooms overlooking the vineyards and Lake Okanagan set the tone for a relaxing and refreshing stay on the Naramata bench. Relax on your patio, soak in the hot tub, and enjoy a guided tasting experience in the Therapy Vineyards wine shop. Book your room or order Therapy Vineyards award-winning wines and have them delivered to your door at therapyvineyards.com. Because everyone needs a little therapy. From our Save On Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia. We're talking about sustainability and organics on the show today. You know, when I started in this business, we just went in the winery and tasted wine. Now we go immediately to the vineyard to find out what's going on outside uh, so we wanted to focus a bit on that today. Of course, in BC, we've had many great leaders. Uh, Stephen Sipes at Summerhill, C- Christine Coletta at Okanagan Crush Pad, uh, Master of Wine, Director of Winemaking at Andrew Peller, Ross Weiss, all big contributors to growing organically and, uh, you know, doing things right in the vineyard, setting, uh, setting the plates, so, so to speak, uh, for others to join. And today, uh, we, we're going to talk to somebody who's joined in a big way. Kurt Simchik is a viticulturalist for Sebastian Farms and looks after uh, all of the vineyards, uh, at least in the north, and consults in the south for uh, all the Von Mandel wineries, including Mission Hill, uh, Cedar Creek, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Kirk joins us to talk about everything that goes into being sustainable. It's a massive commitment, but something he moved from New Zealand to the Okanagan to achieve. He's got young kids. He likes to be in the vineyard, he likes to have his family in the vineyard, and he likes to save the planet. Here's Kurt, starting with how he ended up in the Okanagan. 
Um, yeah, so so back in 2016, I was uh, farming um, quite happily in Marlborough, New Zealand, um, when someone from the Mark Anthony group made um, contact with me um, and told me their intentions that they wanted to um, change to organic farming, um, make a shift, and uh, that's why they'd, they'd reached out. So... By the, after some talks and visiting the area, um, by May 2017, I, uh, I landed um, in BC and uh, got straight into my role as, as viticulturalist for um, Sebastian Farms in the north here. Mm. And Sebastian Farms, uh, it's a part of the group, or how would you explain what Sebastian Farms is for our listeners? Yeah, so Sebastian Farms... Um, is the farming side of a larger business um, that owns Mission Hill Winery, Cedar Creek, Martin's Lane, Checkmate, Road 13, Red Barn, and Liquidity um, within the Okanagan Valley. So our my side of the business, we grow the grapes to supply all those wineries. Wow. Uh, well, I want to start with a simple def- definition for people. Uh, we, we talk a lot a bit about o- organic farming, but uh, wh- how would you define uh, the term organic farming in the way that the, the way that you work? Okay, so um, I like to say that organics is is old school farming, but these days we've got lots of great new tech to to help us out. Um, but, you know, the principles have been been the same for generations. Um, pretty much what it means on our properties, we use no insecticides, no pesticides, no systemic fungicides, no herbicides. We've got to use undivine weeders or mowers. We use no chemical fertilisers. Um, so in their place, we, we use cover crops, compost, natural fertilizers like fish and seaweed or cow manure. Um, we do not use any, any GMO products on our, on our properties either. Um, mm. So that is the, the basics of all organics, and it follows the, the guidelines or principles um, set by the Canadian Organic Standards. Yeah. Kurt Simchik, he's a bit of culturalist for Sebastian Farms. He works out of Cedar Creek up in the North Okanagan uh, Kirk, so y- you have this organic farming going on. Uh, what are the changes? Like, how, how is it different from conventional s- farming, f- uh, for instance, or 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 how does sustainability fit into that? People hear all these buzzwords. So, how does it all come together? Um, yeah. So, so Anthony, you know, with all the, it's about what we don't do just about in our vineyards that that, that mm-hmm. makes a difference like I, I talked about the the no chemical use already um, but it's in place of those chemicals we it's the alter, alternatives what we can use sowing cover crops here um, building compost reducing waste all reduces our impact on the ground we've got to think you know when we're farming this way about our water usage as well um 
And just through farming, I, I find this way, the vines in turn and over time become a little bit more resilient to what Mother Nature seems to be throwing at us um, these days. So, you know, we're thinking about our water usage, where we recycle, we use compost. It's all thinking about the care and longevity of our of our land and, and what we're doing. Mm. Uh, well, mentioning what Mother Nature is throwing at you, then uh, can organic farming, do you, would you say it's part of, uh, part of a, a solution towards fighting climate change? Um, yes, yeah, for sure. I, I think our approach, it's, it's, if you go deeper than just uh, not using chemicals and look at um, the water usage and everything, yes, it's, it's, we should be setting our vineyards up to be more resilient to things like droughts or even flooding. Um, and our impact, you know, we're thoughtful. We, we think about um, our carbon footprint as much as we can as well. So, yes, I, I believe mm. this is a step in the direction for helping helping reduce climate change and yeah. a lot of the principles that that we um follow are the, similar to what you do under regenerative farming as well so and and that's the whole concept behind it is is lessening our our footprint on the on the on the world i suppose mm-hmm I I feel like uh, it's a feel good thing to be organic. Uh, it's it, and I feel in some ways that that do you feel like it's sweeping the Okanagan? It, there seems to be a larger and larger uh, number of people that are either interested getting into it, uh, maybe not certified, but moving in that direction. I, is this the direction? Like in another fifteen or twenty years, could could we be totally organic in in, in the Okanagan Valley when it comes to wine growing or in in BC? Um, man, that'd be pretty cool, I think, uh, Anthony. I, I think when I first came to the valley, uh, um, there was only about 4% of the valley was being farmed organically. Um, with our properties, which is, let's say there's 1,300 acres, we farm over 42 different vineyard sites here. We've increased that um, the percentage of being farmed organically up to 17% which on a world scale is quite significant for a wine region. Right. Um, and I think just just by that, I'm seeing um, more, yes, more interest in the valley. A lot of people are starting uh, to take the steps and we have the ideal climate here to, to really to do this and do it well and hopefully put the Okanagan you know, on a on a world map as a as a wine growing region, right? Yeah. Okay. I know you're not. A, I know you're not a winemaker, but you're growing the grapes for winemakers. So, do you get involved now with tasting the wine, and do you get feedback uh, going both ways about what you're doing and what they want, and what they're doing, and perhaps how they're mangling your grapes or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I work really closely with. Uh, four winemakers or the four wineries that, that I work with. I'm based in the north, so it's predominantly Cedar Creek, Liquidity, Mission Hill and Martins Lane. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it's it's not just about the winemakers spending time out in the vineyards with me. It's me spending time in the in the wineries with them and looking at the different batches as they go through the ferment process and discussing any problems or issues or anything unique we're seeing from that vintage. So it's that collaboration which helps us move forward and produce better wines year after year. Um, So, yes, I do work very closely with them. Well, fresher, brighter wines are on everybody's lips, and what we're hearing or what we're seeing in uh, some producers now organically and biodynamically is a little less alcohol uh, uh, and grapes that are ripening earlier. Is that something that you've seen uh, in your experience now? Yeah, yeah. So I guess I've been here five years now, so I've been watching watching the change. Um, and, yes, we are seeing a... A change in how the fruit ripens and they are becoming phenologically ripe a lot earlier, you know, or in balance with sugars. So rather than sugars going through the roof, we're seeing a really nice flavour and seed development and even the, the stems of the bunches. So that all helps um, dial those wines back and, and brings finesse into them and, um, and that's one of the benefits, I believe, of farming organically that that I think every one of the winemakers I've worked with has commented on um, of where the wines are at now as opposed to five years ago. So it's it's kind of exciting. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Penticton, a perfect place for mountain adventures this winter. After a day in the snow, stop in for a visit to one of almost 100 area wineries, many that stay open year-round. Enjoy the quieter time of year with an intimate winter wine tasting and a chance to sample some incredible local ice wines. Dine in world-class locally sourced restaurants, too. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. Before you go, check out the website for information on wine tours and winery events. Go to visitpenticton.com. Discover the good life right in your own backyard. Destination, the Watermark Beach Resort in beautiful Asuyus. Featuring spectacular views of Asuyus Lake, walking distance to shops, plus dining at the Watermark's very own 15 Park Bistro. And make sure to book your spring and summer travel now to avoid disappointment at the South Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature, a bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name, Three Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. The most exciting club in the Okanagan is Summer Hills Organic Wine Club. When you become a member, you'll receive 24 bottles per year of sommelier-curated organic wines. Enjoy preferred pricing and free delivery. Plus, members earn double gratitude points, which gives 20% of each order back in your pocket. Get insider information on Summer Hill's new releases and special events. Enjoy the flavors of Summer Hill. Join the Organic Wine Club at summerhill.bc.ca. 
From the Save On Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia, and a shout-out to listeners across the province, uh, everywhere from Vancouver Island to BC North and cities like Port Nelson, Terrace, and Fort St. John. Uh, welcome to the show. We're talking about organics today, uh, focusing on a committed path to sustainability. Another word we hear a lot about is regenerative farming. Uh, in the next conversation, we're going to talk with Kelowna's Cedar Creek winemaker, Taylor Whelan, about the wines he's making at Cedar Creek and the intense focus that uh, they're doing managing their land sustainable and going uh, with regenerative farming. If you go up there in the fall and you see these large animals in the vineyard, it's almost shocking, but it's also so beautiful. And I talked to an old guy in Italy who said, you know, he was, I'm convinced that vines talk to each other. And when these animals go through the vineyards, they brush up against the vines as well. And, 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 uh, so there's a, there's something going on there that we don't know anything about because we're just a bunch of dumb humans. But what happens there is magic. And, uh, the grapes that grow in those kind of vineyards are really outstanding. So we'll catch up with Taylor. He's going to talk to us in this conversation. We talk about his commitment to organics, uh, and a little bit about his elation over winning, guess what, winery of the year at the 2022 National Wine Awards. He says the team was pumped. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, the team are part, pretty pumped. It's uh like you, it's it's one of many awards, but for me it's probably the most important one to win, I think. It yeah. goes to show that of all the wines we're doing overall, everything is at a high level. All the work we've been putting in over the last yeah. several years is paying off. So Yeah, those awards which are a week long, and I have a unique position in the back, so I can see you sort of moving along uh, and getting the work done because it's a long slog through it. But but it means that almost everything you send in there has got to be good, and that's a real accolade. So people can be assured when they buy a bottle of Cedar Creek that the quality is quite high. Thank you. Let's yeah. talk about why the quality is so high and about the many things that have happened there because the, the, the new Cedar Creek, which isn't that new, is a lot different from the very old one. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we've refocused the brand on the North Okanagan, right? Yeah. So the whole idea is Kelowna-focused. So we're talking mostly wines from Penticton North is what we're focused on now. Mm-hmm. Pinot Noir, Riesling, Chardonnay, Aromatic White, Pinot Gris, Sauvignon Blanc, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. We've transitioned the whole vineyard program to organics, the whole winemaking program to organics as well. Yep. And that focus has helped uh, definitely improve quality across the spectrum. Like We're very much focused on uh, fundamentals improving across the board what we're mm-hmm. doing in the vineyard and the winery and it's paid off in the bottle yeah. i think so. and you've gone i mean the group went organic but you guys were in the lead on that up north uh and regenerative so can you tell us a little bit about the farming then the, the difference or the collaboration like sustainability organics regenerative how do we how do we put put that in our minds yeah that's right i mean I'm a bit of a cynic, so for me, sustainability is a bit of an umbrella term and, and can be quite vacuous. Like, people plug a lot of stuff into sustainability that maybe yeah. shouldn't be there. Organics is, like, you gotta you got to uh, follow a certain set of rules, which is legislated by the government. Yeah. Regenerative is another step beyond that, where you say, okay, we've heard the organic piece, we're doing that, but we're going to take those rules, and then we're going to focus on really improving soil health. Like, that's the whole regenerative piece. So. Yeah. We're not going to spray all the stuff. We're not allowed to spray with organics. 
we're going to focus on composting, on building biodiversity and life in the soils with the idea that you're improving the health of the vineyard, the health of the plants, the health mm -hmm. of the soils, mm -hmm. and making better wines consistently year over yeah. year because of I it. I mean, that's my question in the end. What does it mean for consumers? So, so you're organic, so you're regenerative, so what? What does it mean when I buy a bottle of Cedar Creek? Yeah, that's why I always try and draw it back to is like, yeah, I get we're doing all this and it sounds like a lot of fun and it is fun. It's hard work, but yeah. the end result is higher quality fruit yeah. and it translates into better wine. Okay. So, Speaking of that, <laughs> let's translate to the home block Riesling. So the 2021 yeah. here, home block, let's start with that. We hear that name a lot up at Cedar Creek. Yes, we've, we've applied it to a lot of different things at Cedar Creek. Um, the first thing we applied it to was the vineyard. So we've got an old vineyard at Cedar Creek. It was established about 30, 35 years ago. Yeah. Um, that's the original home block is that vineyard. It's yeah. about 50 acres of old vines. And this Riesling is from that vineyard. Which is made up of many blocks. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not one contiguous piece in terms of winemaking. No, that's right. We've got eight blocks and then we've got many sub blocks within all that. So there's mm -hmm. all kinds of different parcels of fruit. Yeah. But it's a unique spot. There's really cool soils. The aspect is is interesting because it's north facing so it's quite cool compared to most of the rest of the okanagan mm -hmm. um so you just get a different style of wine off of there which is suiting us more yeah. and more germans are famous for riesling but there's so many styles and they've been so pushed around by consumers they they can't really be used to benchmark a style what would you say the cedar creek like this home block riesling how would you describe the style of this wine the freshness and the acidity defines the style of Cedar Creek Riesling. We mm -hmm. try so hard to get the acidity down in these wines and mm -hmm. we're harvesting them late in the season and still the acidity persists. And so we're left with making with our winemaking built around acidity essentially. So they're fresh, bright, pristine wines and then we're building body and weight around that acid. And people talk a lot about sugar in Riesling. How do you uh, see sugar in Riesling and acidity? What? How does that work for you? I don't really want to see sugar. Like that's for me. That's the point. Is the acidity should lead. We use sugar to support it and try and balance it. Yeah. But I'm kind of embarrassed if my Riesling finishes sweet. I want it to finish right. dry. But yeah. it's possible to have a fair bit of sugar in a Riesling that has super high acidity. That's true. Yeah, To, that's to get true. the balance. Yeah, and, and there's different styles too, obviously. And so yeah. I'm speaking mostly to like this dry, drier style. Yeah. We're, we're aiming for below 10 grams per liter residual sugar sure. in the Rieslings. If we wanted to do a sweet wine, we definitely could, but we haven't quite gone there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think what is nine grams is sort of the detectable level for the average consumer so they yeah. wouldn't really notice it yeah that's right yeah. We, they we, would notice a roundness in it i guess a freshness and a fruitiness but not a sugariness which is great yeah people get a little offended when i tell them there's sugar in the wines but yep. then if you took them dry they'd be horribly acidic and yeah. too hard to handle now so. just to confuse them because you won a bunch of platinum medals but this is a platinum home block riesling that's correct so yeah. how, how do we deal with that platinum level at, at cedar creek this is a story that goes back to the Fitzpatricks, and yeah. this is a heritage story from Gordon and the senator. So they told me that um, in in the 90s, they won a, a, there was a category created for them for a Merlot they had made at Cedar Creek, which uh -huh. was a platinum category. They were oh. awarded a platinum medal for this Merlot, and so they created a tier of wines around that. So that's where the platinum tier comes oh, from. Oh, there you go. Uh, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But yeah. now the platinum tier really is where we play. That's where most yeah. of our premium volume is. And that's where the cool experimental wines yeah. end up. So, 
And I would add, you won two real platinum medals at the nationals. The I think only two wineries out of the out of the two hundred or so uh, managed that feat. We did, yeah, yeah. yeah Congratulations, was- yeah, so great. Uh, okay, let's talk about the next wine because I don't want to run out of time. The Cedar Creek Aspect. This is the twenty twenty Pinot Noir. The Aspect Collection. This is kind of a new thing for you, Aspect Collection. How Correct. would you explain that to consumers? What, what is that about? Yeah, I mean, we just talked about Platinum. So Platinum, I would say, is a single vineyard story where we're talking about vineyards as a whole, what that soil type or what that Aspect can bring. Aspect, The Aspect tier is a single block story. So that's really about an individual vine age, an individual soil type. Um, something very, very special we found in the vineyard typically mm-hmm. that we want to bottle on its own mm-hmm. and we don't want to blend it with anything else. So these okay. are really small batch wines. We're yep. talking two to 300 cases, uh, artisanally made, super high attention to detail. And, and uh, sourcing for Aspect can be anywhere? or It's all actually home block vineyard fruit. So okay. at the moment, there's four wines. There's a Shard, a Riesling, and two Pinots, and they're all from the home block vineyard, which is our original vineyard. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when you taste this Pinot, what can you tell our listeners? What, if they, they know a bit about Pinot, I think, different styles. Yeah, for me, like, Block 2 always gives a little bit of a pretty floral character. This wine smells a little bit like beets to me, like it's got an earthiness to it, an earthy mm-hmm. sweetness, a little bit of an iodine character. And then there's really good um, weight and density of fruit in this wine. 2020 was a beautiful vintage for reds. Mm-hmm. And so you get a pretty nice body and texture with good uh, tannin ripeness as well. Yeah. So set Lovely. up to age really well. Really good wine. Uh, before we go, uh, I think now the final building's done at Cedar Creek. The, 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 I call it the wine club building. There's other stuff going on there. Yep. Is that the Aspect? Aspect House, Cor- correct. Yeah. Cool. So uh, what is that experience like? P- people join the wine club and they, can, they get an experience in there, something really special? or That's right. They join the Aspect Club and then they have unlimited access to that building. So oh. they can bring their friends when they're up from Vancouver or Calgary, take wow. them in, have a tasting, have an experience, do a tour of the winery. Can we sleep there or no? I guess not. Uh, you can. Yeah, you could. <laughs> Until it about be very 5 o'clock Yeah, whatever. that's right. That's yeah. right. Somebody come rustle you up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of nice. That's a, a nice uh, thing to have when you join a club. To that's have right. That kind of access. Yeah, you're having fun. We're having a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. it's been really good, and you know, uh, yeah, we've only just begun, as Anthony yeah. likes to say. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. As someone who is starting or adding to their wine or spirits collection, you recognize your choice of a reputable supplier is paramount. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers buyers a safe, inexpensive way to initiate or enhance their collections. They're experts in the field, and all of their offerings are meticulously sourced from private sellers across Canada. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. Join BC Food and Wine Radio and Anthony Gizmondi at the 44th Vancouver International Wine Festival, April 22nd to 30th at the Vancouver Convention Center. Tickets for the International Festival tastings featuring 152 wineries from 17 countries and highlighting South America are on sale now. Stay, sip, and save. Get a free tasting ticket worth up to $129 when you book a downtown hotel via stayvancouverhotels.com. Details at vanwinefest.ca. Don't wine and drive. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone. 
But this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature. A bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name, Three Finger Jack. Outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. Penticton, a perfect place for mountain adventures this winter. After a day in the snow, stop in for a visit to one of almost 100 area wineries, many that stay open year-round. Enjoy the quieter time of year with an intimate winter wine tasting and a chance to sample some incredible local ice wines. Dine in world-class locally sourced restaurants, too. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. Before you go, check out the website for information on wine tours and winery events. Go to visitpenticton.com. Hello, I'm Anthony Gismondi, and after four decades in the wine business, I know that the wine you like is always the best one for you. Anyone who tells you differently is simply wrong. The trick is how to get there. My advice? Try as many different wines as possible to discover your favorites. We evaluate about 3,000 wines a year at GismondiOnWine.com to help you sort through the clutter in the market, and we make it easy to search through our results. After all, life is way too short to drink bad wine. So why not give us a go at GismondiOnWine.com? From our Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia. We're back. Uh, we've been talking about sustainability all day today. By the way, if, if you didn't know, we're approaching about 25% of our vineyards are now organically managed, farmed. And, uh, and or sustainable, and that is one of the highest percentages around the world. Uh, that's the kind of thing that can put you on the global international wine map with uh, wine writers and influential types. Uh, now on the show today, uh, our next guest, Ed Tonner, he's the senior viticulturalist at Quailsgate in West Kelowna. Uh, he's got a real passion for sustainability. He, we talked, uh, we met with him in September and talked about the process of, uh, you know, getting the team together, getting everybody on the same page and getting everybody to move forward with this. They start in the vineyard, they move to the winery, and then at Quailscape, they're going to finish up in the restaurant to complete the entire package to be totally sustainable. It's a great story. He's a very passionate guy and a smart guy. And we also talk about, planting new vineyards and recovering old vineyards and how all that works with sustainability as well. Here's Ed. He talks about his special attention to uh, a specific Chardonnay vineyard at Quail's Gate and sustainability. Yes, yeah, so this specific Chardonnay here comes from one of our, uh, we've got a couple blocks for rosemaries, and it's uh, it's just a great combination of rootstock. You've got Scion, which is your varietal, uh, and your clone based on in that little microclimate. So we've Noted over the last like 15, 20 years where the, the specific Chardonnay grows really well on site. From my perspective, what we do is we, we actually look at it from the very beginning of the year in, in January and February when we actually prune it. And we're thinking crop levels, we're thinking spacing, and then we're actually trying to drive it home with, uh, with de-leafing. A little bit of canopy management, we can kind of take some shoulders off of the cluster just to ripen it evenly. We mm-hmm. don't want to have a lot of the stuff, if you do leave it on the vine, it sometimes ripens a little uneven. So if yeah. we actually take things off, it's called green thinning and green harvesting. So we just drop that on the ground, and that way we get that uniform flavor, and that's really just letting it go, letting yeah. it 
and the vine's smart too. It knows it's got to get ripe now. Smarter so than you, me? Yeah. Absolutely. So you're just helping it out in the last run to the end sort of thing. That's it. It does all the work for us yeah. uh, at the end of the day. We just kind of carry it through. So. Well, let's talk about uh, sustainability. It's a big word, but you people have jumped in big at Quailsgate, and now you're certified. Can we start with that, what, what all this means now? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's gained quite a, a lot of traction lately. We, we hit it in January, so we got the certification through the certification process. And uh, it's right off the bat, it's, it's a mindset, and it's rolling it out within the actual the staff that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the Stewart family, they've, they've always been um, pretty tuned to uh, sort of that sustainability way. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't be around as long as they have unless you were thinking about the, you know, the next generation. Well, I always think about you and all your your uh, co-workers working in a field. Isn't it nice to work in a place that's sustainable, uh, much healthier environment than, than, say, what it was 30 years ago in, in many, many vineyards? Oh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. If you think about um, ownership, first and foremost, trying to be sustainable in everything that they do, it gives everybody on staff a little bit more of that confidence, and it's, it's breeding a culture that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Going to work every day, everybody does it. But when you go to work every day with people that are actually on board with that, it creates a really makes a positive. It makes a huge difference. Our guest is Ed Tonner. He's a senior viticulturist at Quailsgate Winery. We're talking about sustainability. So there's some major pillars. Let's start with water, always a big issue. So how does that work in here? What are you doing with water? Water's huge. Out, you know, the Okanagan depends on water in every agricultural sense. Um, if, if you're not mindful of how much you're using, then you just end up overwatering everything. You'll just yeah. do a lot more than a lot less. With what we're doing here, we're creating metrics, we're measuring our water. By measuring our water, we're actually able to create more of a consistent um, product in the vineyard. Um, we have different tools, we've got different mechanisms, we've got our phones tied in with our valves in the field, and that gives us a, an exact margin of what we're able to use. If you mm-hmm. look at what California's been doing, sure. and Oregon and Washington, they're mindful of what they're using. We have this natural resource that's right in front of us, but a lot of the times we don't realize that actually it's a depleting resource. So Yeah, and uh, well, it's a big slope, and there's a lake down at the bottom, too. <laughs> that's another issue for water. It's huge. The runoff. runoff. Yeah. yeah, so gravity always wins. And, yeah. you know, we have whatever we, and it's not just us, it's everybody building on top of us as well. So uh, everything eventually ends up in the lake. If you have buffer zones, if you've got natural filtrations, um, we've got about 15% of our farmland allocated to this natural filtration system, which is a marshland. We've got wild amount of birds. Um, and again, with these synthetic fertilizers and synthetic um, herbicides, we're trying to mitigate all that. We're trying to drop that level down. So what we do put back in the water is essentially what we're actually using at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason why we can't do it. There's a lot of mechanization out there where we're actually... Uh, purchasing that's allowing us not to have to spray Roundup, not to have to spray certain yeah. synthetics. And that's that's kind of driving that sustainability. Yeah. yeah. Cover crops, weeds, another big part of uh, <laughs> growing vines. What are yeah. you doing about that? Well, we gotta we got to learn to like weeds. Yeah. I think that's the, at the end of the day, a weed isn't something that's, that's, that's nasty to look at. Um, weeds are natural and native to the environment. It's, there's, there's annuals, there's perennials. Um, it's just as long as they don't compete with the plant. If, if, the, vi- if the weed is competing with the plant, then you're going to actually decrease the vigor of the vine. Yeah. Um, the way I look at it is we've got to get comfortable with that natural look. Uh, we don't have to have that, 
that band of dirt that's actually Underneath. surrounding the vine. Yep. Exactly. Just be be comfortable with it. And what we do is we do a light scrape, and we use that as organic matter, and we turn that right back into the soil. Yeah. Um, and it's all it's all native. Yeah. Uh, well, I uh, do you think vines talk to each other? <laughs> I do. Um, I, I got to go with a yes. I think that you well, know, they're standing out there all day long. I mean, what what else? They okay, got to know me, what's going on. They're pretty smart. Well, what song would you play to the vines if we're uh, going to be talking? Uh, I don't know. Put the price up, or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking more Bob Marley in terms of stress. Okay. Um, you know, but uh, you know, there's been guys that have been playing like Tchaikovsky and Rachmaninoff and whatnot to play to the vines. Keep I, them happy. Yeah, it's a symbiotic relationship, and I think if you keep the actual. Uh, beneficial insects happy, which yep. which you're keeping the cover crop happy, and you're keeping the, you know, it's not just vines too. The monocrop mentality is is something that you just kind of want to get away from. We want to actually envelop more of a, um, you, know, you know, different crops growing in, in the beneficials yeah. and and the, you know the orchards around us. Yeah, it's kind of like mixed farming. Like if you go to Tuscany, there's everything going on, right? And, and there's olive trees, there's vines, there's it all benefits pigs running around. It all benefits. And if you look at if you if you're catching like that term terroir. Yep. That's exactly what it is. You know, Greece and Italy and France and Spain. And yep. I'd love to kind of build that. Well, at 40, 50, 60 years old now on this property, there's some stuff going on. Uh, I don't know if, if vineyard renewal is part of sustainability, but that information passed down, I think, should be. So what, tell us a little bit about what you've done, because you've done some replanting here now. We did. The last two years, we've collectively put in almost, um, I'd say, about 50,000 vines. So... Two years ago, we did uh, an amazing planting of 20 acres. It took us about four days on the other side at SFE. Um, and this year, we did a 10-acre planting of this um, interesting two different clones of Syrah and four different clones of Pinot Noir. Um, it's been it's been it's been unbelievable because we've actually recontoured the land. What Ben and Tony were a part of 35, 40 years ago, yeah. when these wines went in, it was Riesling and it was Optima. And that gained a lot of traction, but then the the vines they went through forty years of Canadian winters. Yep. And when you're looking at that vascular tissue, and you're looking at the actual phloem and the xylem and the cambium layer that feed the vine water and food, it just gets compromised. I'm getting excited here. Ed. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm getting a little jazz myself. Yeah. yeah, always good to to renew them though, and and actually plant what you probably think is exactly what should go there now. Well, the, it the might the, last longer too, right? Less need, need less care. The the most important part when you put these vines in is the first three to four years. Yeah. If you, it's like a like a child. Yeah. If you give it the environment, you give it the care, you give it the protection, you give it the food, you give it the yeah. proper amount of water, then it sets itself up for the next thirty five to forty years of success. So, that's our mo right now. We're actually trying to create this, um, this product early, and we're treating it. With a lot of care, we don't want to have fruit coming off that mm. vine within the first three to four years. Year five, boom, we hit it, and whatever it gives us, it gives us. Yeah. Uh, the last sort of big peg of the sustainability is people. How how are the people embracing it, and how, has it changed the people here at Quail Skate, or will it keep changing them? Quail Skate's a good one. It's 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 a collection of people that either have been here for 25 years yeah you know there's judy she's been with us for 16 years she's the vineyard manager on this side tim he's yeah. been with us for 18 years i mean collectively and i've been here for a couple of years so it's people stick around here because they want to be here mm -hmm. in saying that sometimes it is tough to change direction when you're further along in your career sustainability makes sense and i, I preach the financials and i can preach the the mindset but the buy-in is the key and i think the more we do it 
um, the more we actually are practical about it and, th and they can see the, the actual effects in the vineyard, that's when they actually buy in. Mm -hmm. I can't, you can only say so much until somebody actually says, hey, you know what, I don't know what you're talking about or I don't want to do this differently. Mm -hmm. Once they see the actual change in the vineyard and once they actually taste the change in the wine, yeah. then it's, it's spoken for. And we're going to talk to Kaylee later on because it's going to happen in the winery too and the restaurant. The, it'll proceed, but uh, of course the most important place to start is always in the vineyard. Well, exactly. It's the best place to be yeah. always, and, uh, and it always starts in the vineyard ground up, right? Yeah. So uh, I think it makes sense, the natural progression with the s sustainability, your product, the raw material. Um, I think in the winery they have to deal with a lot more issues with which is the different types of sanitization, even lights, the energy that they're actually using. Mm -hmm. We're a little bit more practical in the vineyard. Um, and it makes it, it makes it interesting. I think they've got their hands full. They've got a big year ahead of them. But uh, someone's got to lead the charge, and that's the vineyard. Well, that was Ed Tonner, viticulturalist from Quails Gate in West Kelowna. That's it for today's show. I'm Anthony Gismondi from all of us at the team here at BC Food & Wine Radio. We wish you a great weekend and an even better week ahead. That's it for today's show. This is BC Food & Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi.